listening to the Prevailing Word Podcast. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get right into today's message from the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, number one. Now, in order for you to be sanctified, you got to be washed. You just can't claim sanctification without being washed. Just like you can't claim to have washed, I mean, claim to be clean if you haven't washed. But you were justified, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. So you can't be justified without sanctification and without being washed. In the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The dangers of idolatry. We left off in the book of Exodus chapter 20, which we'll turn there shortly. Uh, But the word idolaters who will not inherit the kingdom of God are those who are servant or a worshiper of an image. Or a worshiper of false gods. Worshiper of false gods. We talked about the fact that Tina Turner uh, had passed away at the age of 83 and she according to the the records uh, and her own word which she said in an interview was a Buddhist and nothing to do want, don't want to have anything to do with Christ the saving of sin the saving from sin The salvation that was offered by grace because of his mercy to sinners. Don't want to have anything to do with that. But wanted to make up her own way of salvation. We already studied from Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. Which tells us that those there's a way that seems right unto men. but But the end thereof is the way of death. So just because you want to serve another God other than the God of gods doesn't mean that life will be extended to you. Now God gave you 83 years to figure this out. And at the end of the whatever space is of 83 still rejected the salvation offered by God through his son which forgives you of all sin. Uh, Buddha has nothing to do with sin because it's about consciousness. Uh, 
Jim Brown, the great football player, passed away at the age of 87. There's no record of him being a believer in Christ. And so while preaching, I shared that, you know, not here, but, but outside, that their number came up. And in that same day, 150,000 people came up on their day of death and died. And the majority of them left this planet without what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, being diligent to make your call and election sure. You see, people that are living in sin are assuming that nothing will happen when that moment comes. But Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 is very clear that it is appointed unto men once to die. After this, the judgment. So if death is true on one hand, judgment is true on the other. When this life is over and you're not in Christ, the judgment seat, the great white throne judgment seat, is where you will stand because of sin and a refusal of the greatest gift of all. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, our job in this world, for those of us that are saved, whether you call to the ministry or not, is that when an opportunity comes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are duty-bound to share the gospel because we don't know if we will see that individual ever again. All in our households, it's not the time to put the, the, the light under a bushel and hide who we are. For the most part, people in your family already know because they've been around you. Your, your demeanor has changed. Your, your, the way that you carry yourself has changed. You don't lie anymore. You don't drink anymore. You don't have sexual immorality anymore. You don't talk about other things of the world anymore. You don't talk about all those shows that you watch that carry lewdness and silliness and, and all that other stuff. You're so serious about God that you cut those things off and they have already taken notice that you're no longer of the world. You may be in it, but you're no longer of it. You have separated yourself. Now, the separation doesn't mean that you hate your family members or your friends or those of your acquaintances. It doesn't mean that you hate them in the sense as a murderer. No. You want to do everything in everything possible to get the gospel to them. So that way they can experience eternal life just like you and I will when our number comes up. And it is sure to come. But I wanna deal with idolaters because idolaters will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now watch in terms of the idolaters. Go now to Exodus 
chapter 20 and verse 1. Exodus, the 20th chapter and verse 1. How serious is God about idolatry? Well, we're going to see in some of these scriptures that we're going to share. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am... <laughs> In the Greek, uh, if you go into the New Testament, whenever you see Jesus or God saying, I am, the word I is ego. God is the only one that is allowed to have an ego. He's the only one that can have an ego. Everybody, we can't have an ego. God is the only one that can have an ego. I am the Lord your God who who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You will recall the story in the book of Genesis, how Joseph had a dream, and uh, the, his brothers didn't like it, and they, they put him in a pit, and he was sold to the Egyptians. You, you see how all that plan of, of worked out in God's favor? That, that God's plan of bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt will happen because his brothers were jealous because Joseph as a young man was a, a little bit too giddy about the dream that he had. A dream of 12 sheaves and stars bowing down to him. His brothers have had enough. He was already the father's favorite. And, and his father Jacob gave him a multicolored coat to let everybody know that Joseph is my favorite boy. Boy, that really put a wedge, a further wedge between him and his brothers. But God used all of that to save Israel. But also to show his power. Because the Egyptians, they, they, they know the true and living God, but they refused him. And so God had to show up in such a way that is indisputable. And that's why the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel is written, because people do not believe the preaching of the word, the, the, pre, the simple preaching of the gospel. Uh, the preaching of the gospel, Paul said, is to them that perish foolishness. But, to, um, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And so God wanted to demonstrate his power because people just can't take his word for it. And so before he shows his power, he sends people to preach. He sends people to talk. And if they refuse even after that, then God has no other resort but to show and to display his power. Even though, if you look up at the sun, who put that there? If you look at the trees, who put that there? The book of Hebrews, I believe chapter 2 tells us that man builds a house, but God built all things. God built the stars. God built the comets. God built the air that we breathe. God built the body that we are, we're in. 
He's the builder of it all and they didn't want to take him at his word. And so we see here that God is reminding the children of Israel in Exodus 20 and verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. It took 10 plagues to tell Egypt, I am God. When in all actuality, it really should have took in no plagues at all because when God told Moses and, and Aaron to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, they still didn't want to take him at his word and, and Aaron had to take the staff and, and show the power of God. And, and the staff became like a serpent. And the magicians, Janus and Jambres, if you go into uh, uh, the story in uh, 1 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 2, it, you will find that they did magicians trick and put snakes down and the snakes ate them up. They didn't want to take that. This is all oh, just a magician's trick. Anybody can do that. But then God had to pour out 10 plagues to show his power. Each plague represent a judgment on the gods that they served, culminating in the firstborn. They worshiped the firstborn, and God wiped out the firstborn of everyone in Egypt, starting from Pharaoh. Now, some will say, well, that's not fair. God could have just done something else. No, it's fair. Remember, God is God, and he could do as he pleases. Who are you and I to tell God that it's not fair? It's fair. So if you're of the crowd that says, well, that's upsetting. God shouldn't have done it that way. Well, wait a minute. You, so all of a sudden, you get born, you now come of age, and you're telling God that it's unfair. He's been around for eternity, but you've only been around like a vapor. And you got the nerve and the audacity to tell God that it's not fair. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And so with a strong hand, he brought the nation of Israel out. So he wanted to remind them of this. And then the Lord gave Israel ten, of, ten commandments, which are the top commandments among other regulations, which is covered in the book of Leviticus and also in Deuteronomy, which carries three sections of the law, ceremonial, dietary, and then moral law. Now, moral law still exists. A lot of people say, well, it's the Old Testament and we don't have to be governed by the Old Testament. Oh, so then it's okay to murder, huh? So it's okay to lie, huh? So it's okay to steal, huh? So it's okay to commit adultery, huh? None of, none of those moral laws ceased even after we were born again. And the reason why that still exists is because of what Christ done for us and that we ought to abstain from those very things that God said no, don't do them. 
And it is basically summed up in Romans chapter uh, 8 and verses 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We've been made free from the law of sin and death. But in terms of the moral law, we are still to abide by them. So, law number one, you shall have no other gods before me. <laughs> number two, you shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And I hope for Winfrey says, what God got to be jealous about? Look, he's God. If you want to be jealous, you can be jealous. Period. Who are you to tell him that he doesn't have permission to be jealous? You got to remember what it says in the book of Daniel chapter 5. In Daniel chapter 5, uh, Belshazzar was being judged because he took of the utensils that were taken from the temple into Babylon and he was having a party. He pulled them out and started drinking from them. And then all of a sudden the judgment of God came upon him. Many, many tekel far, you farzan. Your, your kingdom ends. Daniel told him, he says, that, that God owns all your ways and he holds your breath in his hand. Each and every one of us sitting in here at any time, God can say, ding, and your number is up. We're only here because of his grace and mercy. Not because of ourselves. Amen. And at any time, he can stop our lungs from sucking air. Amen. At any time, he can tell our heart to stop beating right in an instant. Yes. We get so bold every now and then that we don't think that God can do that. And he has every right to snatch us at any time. That's why Peter said what he said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. The first thing that I do, usually when I'm visiting people in the hospital, especially people that I know, is I check their salvation status. I don't lay hands. I don't command diseases to leave. The first thing that I do is check their salvation status. Because God could heal, no question about it. He's a miracle worker. He can deliver, no question about that. But what did he do that for? To make sure you get into the kingdom. That's what he did it for. So the first thing I check is their status. Because it means nothing if you close your eyes and I didn't run you down the list of salvation. Just to check that list. God is a jealous God. And so for Oprah Winfrey and everybody else to, to 
make the mistake that he doesn't have to be jealous. He, he, why does he have to be jealous? Because he's God. He doesn't want anybody to be served better than him. God will never in my life, I can't speak for everybody else, never in my life be served better than him. He created me in his image. He gets the first. He gets the best. Because he's God. So don't make anything of heaven out of heaven. Don't make anything that's on the earth. Don't make anything as far as graven images are conserved to serve and worship them. Because God says I'm a jealous God. Now watch this. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those, watch, of those who hate me. So why are they serving other gods? Why are, what's the reason behind it? It's because they hate God. Why do people hate God? It's because people love their sin. So if they're going to love their sin, they got to hate the one that told us not to sin. They hate God. I, I've seen that hatred on, on numerous occasions as, you know, you're preaching the word of people who, who don't like it when you turn the light on and expose their darkness. You see, when you're preaching the word of God, they, they like they like. They like it up to a point. Soon as you talk, start talking about adultery and fornication, you, you mention those things. Stealing, lying, bearing false witness, covetousness. Soon as you go down the list, all of a sudden they stop liking what you're saying. Why? It's not because, just because they hate you. They hate the God that told you to tell them. And, and, and it's for a reason. And, and the reason why we tell them is not so that we can laugh at them and expose them and, and make fun of them. No, they're in grave danger of the judgment of God. Grave danger. That at any time God can simply say, and your breath stops and your heart stops. It's just like I tell them, everybody got a tombstone. Everybody got a casket. Everybody got a birth certificate. Ultimately, you will have a death certificate. Everybody has a casket, body bag, tombstone, toe tag. Everybody. So we want to warn them of the impending judgment that is about to come. So, uh, so God is a jealous God, but lots is visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Why the third and fourth generation? Because each generation, if they learn something from their parents, it carries over. God knows that in those generations, there will be children that will rise up and do the same thing that their parents have done until they come to Christ. You see, when a person comes to Christ, everything that was done in the previous generations are annulled. Stops. Because you come into Christ. Everything. But showing, but watch this, he, he's just not 
pouncing on those who hate, but watch this in verse 6, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. That's all he asked. He asked, love me and keep my commandments and I'll show you mercy. In fact, the book of Proverbs tells us that uh, uh, if you cover your sin, you will, you, will, you will not obtain that mercy. If you cover your sins, you will not prosper. But he that confesses, now just, not, not, not just confess, like it says in 1 John chapter, chapter 1 and verse 9, not just confess, it says, and forsake. See, that's what repentance is. You forsake you turn from it. You don't do it anymore. Shall obtain mercy. So what is God asking of, of, of those who of those who are in sin? He says, I'll show you mercy to those who love me and keep my Commandments. Keeping his commandments is not just a once in a, in a while thing. It means 24-7, 365 days a year, every moment of your life, you keep his commandments. I find that the, the more that you get involved in the scriptures and know what his commandments are, you begin to catch yourself. What, what do I mean by that? In other words, that, that, that sin that you want to get involved with because you recognize that you are a new creature in Christ, you keep yourself from it. You forsake it, which is the proof that you love him. You turn from it because that's the proof that you love him. Singing in a choir is not proof that you love him. Coming to church is not proof that you love him. Nice things. Serving on the usher board is not proof that you love him. Serving as a deacon is, is no proof that you love him. It says here, though, to those who love me and keep my commandments. That when somebody asks you a question, you don't give them a story. You give them a yay and a nay. Yes, if it's true, or no, if it's true or not true. You, you keep your answer truthful, even to your own hurt. Even to your own hurt. So there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. These two commandments are there for a reason, so that way we won't serve other gods that are dead gods. Because we want to pretend that those idols that other people serve are alive, but they're only dead gods. They can never live. Now again, the question is, how serious is the, is the Lord when it comes to idolatry? Well, if you're involved in Greek sororities, are you willing to give that up? Oh, I need that because that carries me around. That's my reputation because we're in this thing and I, and I need that so that way I can show to others that I'm an important person. <laughs> Not realizing that that's a dead God. And I didn't know this until yesterday when I was studying this out. The word sorority, I, th I thought it was just the club. But actually the word sorority is soror, 
S-O-R-O-R, which means female students of a brotherhood or sisterhood of fraternities. Secret societies, are, are we willing to give up the secrets, the secret society, are we willing to give them up? Oh, I need that because that, that's, that'll let everybody know that I am somebody. Well, I, I can have Christ and still am somebody. Because if you don't have God, you're still a nobody. In fact, the Bible tells us that God don't even know you. And, and, and the most important person that you want to know you is God. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of, of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devils in your name, done many wonders in your name. And then he will say to them, I never, not at any time, knew you. Depart from me, you that work lawlessness. So if you're working lawlessness right now, the Lord doesn't even know you. And for good measure, even Satan himself doesn't even know your name. Proof of that is in the book of Acts chapter 19 with the, with the, the seven sons of Sceva. They said, Paul I know. You see, Satan won't know your name until you get saved. Those demons didn't even say Saul. They said Paul. Satan doesn't even know you until you get saved. Because once you get saved, now you're a threat to his kingdom. But I'm not a threat to Satan's kingdom. I'm God's promise. I'm God's promise to your kingdom. What God is doing through my life, through the gospel of Jesus Christ is the promised fulfill that I will have abundant life and have it more abundantly. That is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But if you're in lawlessness, God don't know you and Satan doesn't even know you. That, you know what that means? Nobody claims you. If you don't know being by now, <laughs> right you, you, nobody knows you and you're out there by yourself why because you will pay for your own sins by yourself so are you willing to give up the Greek sororities the secret societies the Freemasons the Lions Club Kiwanis the Elks and other societies now when you see that there's nothing wrong with it in your own mind, that runs us back to Proverbs 14 and verse 12 where it says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. All it's going to do is leave you to the place of death. It will lead you to the place of death. Supporting these sororities is, is attempting to defend the indefensible. But idolatry cannot be defended. You're either totally committed to God or you're totally committed to Satan. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and then, oh, oh, Satan, I serve you in sin 
And then you run over there and serve God, try to serve God. And then you try to turn back and then you serve sin. You can't do the two. The two cannot operate. You're either going to hate the one or you're going to love the other. Just like God, uh, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't do it. It's impossible. You see, you're either in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of darkness. One of the two. So when it comes to idolatry, you don't get to choose both gods. You got to make a choice to serve one or the other. Because that's what God requires in his word. Go over into uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll, we'll get back to idolatry in, 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 in a moment, but I've got to show you this in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. And Paul said this beginning at verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud. This, this month is pride month. It is where wickedness on an unimaginable scale incrementally and exponentially increases. How do we know this? Just as a little side issue. When you see men dressing up as women and reading storybooks to children, we've, we've never seen that. That's unfathomable. unfathomable. We, we, we've and, and, and doing lewd acts on children, not just in front of them, but on them. And the parents, they're letting them do this. You have to be some special kind of stupid and crazy to allow a man that you perhaps don't know jump on top of your child and do that wickedness. And all of a sudden they accuse you of being a bigot, being discriminate, being a racist. Wait a minute. Look at my skin. I know all about racism, being a black man. I know all about it from my ancestors and, and from my recent generation behind me that experienced racism. You can't tell me nothing about discrimination and racism and bigotry. Can't tell me a thing. But you want to use that to say that I'm against homosexuality. You better believe I'm against it. But it's not just homosexuality that I'm against. I'm against pornography. I'm against adultery. I'm against fornication. I'm against bisexuality. I'm against zoophilia, and just in case you don't know that, that means sex with animals. Against all that. So, in honor of Pride Month, I put out a video, nothing to be proud of. You have nothing to be proud of. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Haughty is another word for pride or proud, but let's look at the Greek, which is hyperethanos. This is what the word proud is that I just read before. And the definition is haughty. Showing oneself above others, overtopping, conspicuous above others, preeminent, with an overweening estimate of one's means or merits, despising others, or even treating them with contempt. So what does haughty represent? Haughty is typhu, which is spelled T-Y-P-H double O, which means to envelope with smoke. In other words, to inflate with self-conceit. You know how we always say, don't be conceited. In other words, you pump yourself up and your head gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then God has to come along and take his finger and says, poof. You see, when you're trying to defend idolatry, when you're trying to defend the ind indefensible, you, you, you do it in a way that you're attempting to imply that you have morals and God doesn't. But see, God, where does morality come from? It comes from God. Why? Because he placed it in our conscience, in our hearts. Continuing, lovers of pleasures, lovers of pleasure rather, rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Turn is repent. But also, when you're turning away from people, you're walking away from these people. Doesn't mean that you hate them. Doesn't mean that you despise them. Doesn't mean that you just ridicule them. But because you don't want to be associated with them, besides, First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33 says that, uh, um, that, that uh, wicked cor uh, morals corrupts good manners. Evil corrupts good manners. So, so people, people that have, that have wickedness in them, they'll corrupt you if we stay with them. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. See, you see, you can look religious, but the power of religious, and the word religious means pious, if you look in, in James chapter 1, it means pious, it means holy, True holiness, as James said, is to visit the orphan and to be spotless from this world. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That's what it says in verse 33. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The, so so, so uh, uh, the form of godliness, you can look the part, but the power isn't working in you. You can look like a preacher, put on your robe. Put on your collar, put on your three-piece suit, looking clean, 
You can look the part, but the power is not working in you. You know, I got tired of walking into funerals and I'm, I'm wearing my suit and, and, and looking, looking, looking the part and people can pick you out. Oh, you're a preacher. I, I got tired of that, so I, I try to go incognito. Let's, let, let's see you recognize who I am in Christ first. Let, let, let's see if you recognize that. I want people to recognize the Savior in me, not because I, I look the part, but because they recognize the Christ that is in me. The power of the gospel ought to be living in you in such a way that it gets everybody's attention. I don't want to have just a form of godliness. I want the power of godliness. People, you got to turn away from these people that, that looked apart, but they do all of these things listed as end time manifestations. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. You, you see, those, they'll look the part, they'll look godly, but they'll deny its power. To, the, to deny the power means that you don't want that power working in you. And why is that? It's because you love sin. Idolatry is a very, very pointed thing. And we have people around the world that are living in such idolatry that they don't know that it's leading them to death. Go back over into 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We've seen this before, and we're going to go through some, some more scriptures as, as, we, as we get through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, beloved, flee idolatry. Idolatry, even though it was spoken of in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, which we just read, verse 2 and verse 3, even though it is of importance and is part of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, God didn't budge about idolatry. We're to flee it. In other words, we can't serve God and serve other gods at the same time. We just can't, so we, we have to learn to flee. Verse 15, I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, the cup of blessing which we just had in terms of communion, the cup of blessing which we blessed, which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we, are, for we all partake of that one bread. So when we're taking communion, it not only represents the broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, but it is also the communion of the body of Christ, which we are of one bread. So those are the two representations of the elements that we partake in once a month or as often as you do it among yourselves. There's nothing in the scriptures that, that do not say that you can't have communion until the first Sunday. You can have communion anytime you're ready. Just keep it holy. Verse 18, observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? 
or what is offered to idols is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. So anybody that deals with idolatry, they're sacrificing to demons, to devils. And Paul continues and says, and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. So if, if you're attempting to be in fellowship with Christ and you're involved in idolatry, you're worshiping demons. You're not serving God. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Remember what we saw in, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, where he says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. You see, when we're dealing with idolatry, we're provoking God to jealousy. Are we stronger than he? Evidently, the answer is, no, we're not. We're not stronger than God. He continues by saying, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. In other words, don't go to the store and ask them, well, I want to buy that, but has that been offered to idols? That's, that's being a bit, you know, too much right there. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Verse 27. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, now here's the difference. If they say to you, this was offered to idols, then Paul says, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness in other words if you go to their house and they put food in front of you don't ask any questions just eat it give thanks and then eat and call it a day but if they set it in front of you and say that it's been offered to idols don't eat because they offered that to idols to demons Conscience, verse 29, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks. Or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Go to Leviticus chapter 21, uh, excuse me, chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18. Here we see Paul, Paul giving uh, another admonition. I mean, excuse me, Moses rather, given an admonition about idolatry, which is, which is, uh, which is very important. Uh, Leviticus chapter 18, look at verse 21. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. This is modern 
uh, excuse me, uh, 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 I, I should say old time, not modern, old time worship of a demon by sacrificing children to an idol god called Molech. Today is the day in which Molech is being worshipped through abortion. The pulling out violently of a child even though the child didn't do anything. And so the excuses that the world want to use about abortion is that, well, it's unfair if a mother has to carry the baby of a rapist. Well, wait a minute. The rape is just as wrong as the murder. And that's the thing that, that people don't, don't uh, put two and two to, together. They think that by killing the baby that you're covering, that you're, that you're covering the, the rapists and it was done violently. But you also have to look at the statistics that 98% of abortions is because of inconvenience. Now this is not my statistic. This is the CDC's statistic. 1.3% is because of incest. And 1.7% is because of the life of the mother being threatened, medical abortion. So there's a, there's a very small percentage on those two parts, but when 98%, how can you justify 98% with 1.7%? You can't justify it. It's, it, it, can't be, it can't be defended. Moloch is called, the word Moloch means king. When I found that out, I said, wow, this idol god is called king. And there's only one king and one lord. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And this god Molech want to be king? And the only way that he could be king is when you give up your baby to be killed? No. They're serving devils. Again, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of, of uh, the, the name of your God. I am the Lord. Go to Leviticus chapter 20. We'll see words similar to this. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel and of the children of Israel or of the, or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, king, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man, when he gives some of his descendants to Molech and they did not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut him off from his people. 
and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. This is very serious in the eyes of God because these were habits from the Canaanites that dwelt in the land before the children of Israel came in and displaced them. And so God did not want the nation of Israel to copy their bad habits. Again, evil communication corrupts good manners. So the only way that God can get rid of that evil in the land was to kill them. Because if you let them live, they will introduce these idols to you and you will begin provoking God. And then God had no, has, has no choice but to destroy you off the land. Go to Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah, the, 32, the 32nd chapter. Look at verse 26. Jeremiah 32, verse 26. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Therefore, thus says the Lord. Now, we normally would stop at that verse, but sometimes what you need to do is go down to see the rest of the, of the verses to see why he said what he said in verse 27. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, and, and the verses preceding verse 27. Because uh, Jeremiah was given land and he was afraid that the, his land that, uh, that he had would be given to another. But, but God gave him a plan to get his land back. And so that's why the Lord said, Behold, I am the Lord, you're the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Meaning that the Lord can do anything even if it's difficult in your eyes. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Chaldeans who, who fight against this city shall come and set fire to this city and burn it with the houses on whose roofs they have offered incense to Baal, and poured out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. You see, that's what idolatry always do. It provokes God to anger. Why? Because he's a jealous God. Because the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done only evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have provoked me only to anger with the work of their hands, says the Lord. For this city has been to me a provocation of my anger and my fury from the day that they built it, even to this day. So I will remove it from before my face because of all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they have turned to me the back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not listened to receive instruction. But they set their abominations in the house which is called by my name. And defile it. Remember what we saw in Second uh, 
uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 or so, where it says that, can uh, idols be in the house of the Lord? They can't. Verse 35, and they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of, of the son of Hinnom. Now, if you don't know what Hinnom is, it is the place of Gehenna in Jerusalem, and it was used as a place to burn trash. But it was also a place where they would come out and pass their children or their generation through fire to worship Molech. To cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I did not command them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. You see, we get upset when we talk about throwing children a fire, but do we get upset about the doctor going in the womb and pulling out a baby piece by piece, dismembering their limbs, and accounting for each one of those limbs to make sure that nothing is left in the womb so that way it prevents sickness from entering the woman? Do we, are we just as outraged? Evidently not because if it's it, because here's the reasoning if it's in the womb then what we're doing to the child you can't see so there's nothing to be upset about and you're also using it to say that it's not murder the baby didn't come was wasn't birthed but they've gotten so far here in New York when New York State signed the bill of late-term abortion. And then you got Kermit Gosnell down in Philadelphia who pulled out babe, that babies were born and then he murdered them and then put some of those babies in a freezer. Are we just as outraged? This is the length to which idolatry reaches. It reaches no level. So today, the, the world does modern-day idolatry by abortion, the killing of babies inside the womb, and with a Philadelphia abortion murder, which I just mentioned. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, if you happen to be a parent or happen to be an individual that is caught up in that and you're now born again, you, re you recognize your sin, this is not the time to sit there and worry about whether or not God is going to judge you. God forgave when you came into Christ. That sin is washed away. You don't have to worry about that sin coming upon you. For those that are not in Christ, they have a lot to worry about because the Bible tells us that no murder will inherit the kingdom of God. They will be outside, outside are murderers. So if you're not in Christ, you have something to worry about. But if you're in Christ, the blood washes away all our sins. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of 
of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Come out from among them. Those that are idolaters, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And here's the promise. I will receive you. You come out from those forms of idolatry, even abortion, you come out from that and get washed clean by the blood of the lamb, the Lord says, I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's a promise from God. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Idolatry is serious in the eyes of God. We already showed you the seriousness by which God is. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 21. Deuteronomy 32 and 21. The children of Israel, this is what he's reading about, they have, and also those who are involved in Canaan, they have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God, and idols are not gods, they're dead. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. But I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. Remember what Paul said that God has chosen the foolish and not the wise? He's referring to us. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. You see how God's anger goes deep? It goes so deep, it goes down into the lowest hell because of idolatry. But you see, it's not just the idols that we make and create, like money, things, but even our own bodies can become an idol. We can worship ourselves, and some of us halfway do when we look in the mirror. We look at our strength, we look at our beauty, but as you know, as we all know, when you age, your, your beauty fades and your strength fades. So much for worshiping you. And so come out from idolatry. There's nothing left in there but death for those who serve idol gods. You've been listening to the Prevailing Word Podcast. We're on Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast, Spotify, and Spreaker. The Minister's Crucible and Prevailing Word Live is on YouTube. There's exclusive content for ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ found at theministerscrucible.com. Follow Prevailing Word Ministries Incorporated and The Minister's Crucible on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.